Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're in a deep dive study of the Gospel of Mark titled, The Jesus I Never Knew, where we plan to get more personal and more intimate and become more Christ-like through the lens of Scripture. We hope that you'll enjoy this teaching and share to make more readily accessible to those you love. We love you and God bless. Proud of y'all. So if you have your Bible with you, you're going to need that Bible with you every week, ever, right? Because this is the center of what we do. This is the strength on which we stand. This is the authority of God in our lives to declare Jesus is King. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, I pray that you do have your Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to put a Bible in your hands before you leave this place today. I I truly believe one of the greatest gifts you could ever give someone is the Word of God. So if you have your Bible with you today, we're going to be in this thing called the Gospel of Mark. This this book called the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be there for quite some time. Right? So if you have your Bible with you, go to Mark chapter (coughs) 1. And once you have Mark chapter 1, if you will, stand with me as we read the Word of, of the Lord together. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to pick up at verse 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. We'll give everybody a moment to get there together. When you have it, say amen. amen. Look at y'all. Y'all are getting there, guys. Mark chapter 1, picking up at verse 14. It says, Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. He was saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful this morning, Lord, to have the gift of the Word of God. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful this morning that the gospel would come into this world and proclaim the gospel, the good news that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is Lord of all. And I pray this morning, God, that that we would just study Your Word with intent, God, that we would dedicate our life, we would dedicate our, our, our whole being to studying what it is that You have to teach us and transform us, God. And we know that we find this only in the Word of God. We pray this morning, God, that we would have a Holy Spirit conviction to seek You more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) You can be seated. (coughs) So we're going to have a lot going on this morning in a short uh, span of verses. So if you got a seatbelt on your pew, buckle up. If If you got a notepad in your hand, be prepared to flip, right? So we're going to pick up here at verse 14. And what I got to show you is... Mark is pretty, pretty blunt and he's straight to the point. And so a lot of the details uh, we have to go and you can get what is called a harmony of the gospel. And this is where it lays the four together and lets you kind of see what is happening simultaneously. <clears throat> and if you really want to see it chronologically, what you need to do is study the gospel of Luke. Why? Because Luke is a tactician. He wants you to see it as it occurred. What Mark wants to do is he's got a He's got a purpose and he's got a meaning behind what he's doing. 
And that purpose and that meaning, just to cheat ahead a little bit for you, because y'all are here. And like I tell my Wednesday night crew, y'all are going to get the secret sauce today. Everybody say that with me. Secret sauce. Right? Y'all got the secret sauce. And so the secret sauce of the gospel of Mark comes here in, in, in chapter 10. Right? It's kind of midway point through. And here in chapter 10, at verse 45, if you're a highlighter or a circle in your Bible or a note taker, this is a really important verse to hold. Why? Because the thesis of the gospel of Mark is found right here. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And what Jesus is doing there is living out the gospel. So the gospel, little g gospel, is quite literally euangelion, or this good news, right? And so we know that the gospel that we're looking for and the gospel that the Old Testament forecludes to is found in Jesus Christ. And quite literally, the gospel is the gospel or the word. Jesus Christ is the word or the logos. And so Jesus, what we have going on between verse 13 and 14 is a little bit of a span of time. Some theologians specify that it's approximately a year. Some say as little as three months. But what we do know is between the baptism and what we see here in verse 14, there's a span of time. And so we know that John baptizes Jesus out in the River Jordan, right? And we know that Moses was never able to cross the River Jordan into the Holy Land because he was an atonement for his people. So why did they need atonement? It's pretty simple. Go and study uh, back in Exodus 20, look at, we get the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down from the mountain. Y'all know what the people are doing? They're worshiping a big golden cow. Why? Because we're a people who are constantly turning our focus and attention away from God. <clears throat> and so what we have here is a little bit of a span of time. And there is, there is some debate, again, amongst scholars we know that Jesus was an apprentice under his father, right? And so Jesus, we know, studied the craft of what today we, we think is carpentry more likely is, a, is a, a, a masonry trade. Why? Because wood is sparse and everything is made of stone or a hard clay at that point in time. <clears throat> so theologians... Uh, predict that more, more accurately where we look at this carpenter, right? This is probably more of a stonemason, which is still a form of, you guessed it, carpentry. Okay? But there is a debate over whether or not Jesus formally had training as a rabbi. Right? Why? Because Jesus is under God, but is he under man, under a, a particular rabbi? I personally think the answer is yes. I personally think our answer is found right here. I think that the rabbi who Jesus was studying under is none other than John the Baptist. Why? Because John comes, as we know through the prophet Isaiah, to make a path and to make straight a path. 
And we see a, a familiarity between John the Baptist and Jesus. So that's one hypothesis. Another hypothesis, and I like this one as well, that there's a supernatural authority of Jesus. Why is there a supernatural authority of Jesus? How can we prove this? Because we know as a child, a child would not be able to stand and teach in the synagogue, in the temple. And as a child, Jesus goes missing. Y'all remember that story? And so Jesus is in the synagogue. And y'all remember what he's doing? Reading and teaching. Why? Because there's a supernatural authority of Jesus. Then there's a third hypothesis again that we say where there is no human rabbi of Jesus. I like to just present all areas of something. You read, you study, you make your conclusion, right? Very likely one or two is our, is our, our, our conclusion here. And so we know that we have a bit of a time lapse between verse 13 and verse 14. We see that John is arrested. And we know that John is arrested because, well, let's just be honest, he's a bit of a troublemaker. right? He, he has a bit of a run-in history with Herod. And Herod is a known sinner. And Herod marries his brother Philip's wife, who is Herodias. And so John the Baptist can't let this go. And John the Baptist confronts him on this sin. And we know that John the Baptist is imprisoned. There's your time lapse, guys. And so John is arrested and Jesus now comes into Galilee. The Hebrews think here, or the the Jewish scholars predict here, when you, you see Jesus came into Galilee, Jesus, in essence, kind of comes into power. Here. Does that make sense to everybody? He's coming into his full authority here. And he's proclaiming the gospel of God. Nobody else smiling about that? Why? He said, Why are you smiling? Because God in the flesh comes to preach humility. He comes to preach of himself, the foretelling of himself. But who does he put first priority on? God the Father. You're right, guys. God in the flesh comes to declare Yahweh God. The Savior proclaims God the Father. And so this teaching that Jesus begins to to teach is just countercultural. The rabbis of this day, the scribes of this day, the Pharisees of this day live... To brag about themselves. And if they're not bragging about themselves, they're bragging of the teaching of Rabbi so and so said such and such. It's all human standards with a little bit of Torah. And I think we have come to a day, oh, shouldn't say it, I'm gonna say it, where there are too many ear tickling churches where it's a whole lot of man and a little bit of Bible in there. And what is unfortunate is that humanity, that flesh, finds that so comforting. Why? Because it doesn't convict you of your sin. It doesn't show you that you are not the center of this universe. And that God the Father would send His Son to die in our place. No, instead it proclaims, you're good. And you just do some bad stuff, 
but but ultimately it's okay because Jesus died for you. And there's there's a, a sprinkle of truth to that. Jesus did die for you, but he called you for a whole lot more than tickling ears. Amen. He called you for a whole lot more than letting your sin live in the closet and going and revisiting it when you want to have a little bit of fun. This gets me fired up. Why? Because what is the message of Jesus, guys? Verse 15. Repent. Sorry I yelled. But we need it sometimes. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Does he say, puff your chest up and make yourself feel a little better and then we'll work on things a little bit at a time. That's not what he says. He says, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Turn away from sin. God is peaceful and Jesus came and He... That is a wrong interpretation of Jesus that is tickling ears. Repent... And believe in the gospel. And it gets even better, guys. This, this word metanoia or repent, we've studied this uh, on Wednesday nights as we're studying the book of Ephesians. If you're uh, in, in military terms, the word repent quite literally is an about face. Right? So you're, you're going on a path. All of us are going on a path in life. Y'all realize that, right? And you're going on a path, and our path that we naturally trek leads to sin. And God, through Jesus, offers us a way off of that path. All you got to do is take a turn. And see, we're adults, and we struggle with this. Trudy, how old are you? Nine? Nine years old, and sees... That there's more to this life. And we as adults miss it. Why was Jesus, why was childlike faith? Because a child can see what we clearly overlook. Because a child has the heart to see it ain't about me. But we as adults, we're missing the point, guys. I had a pretty long conversation yesterday in Ingalls. With a guy, well, I have a lot of long conversations with people in, in grocery stores, so just know, gas station, grocery store, wherever we're at, I like to talk. Amen. I like to talk. And so if you find me and we open a conversation, unless we both give each other that look, y'all know that look at the beginning of a conversation where it's like, I got things to do, and they're like, I got things to do too, and so you don't have to say a word, but you both exchange that look and you know, Right? I will just intentionally look away from that look. Just, just admitting my faults here. <laughs> and so I had a long conversation and we were talking about what's wrong with the world today. Amen. That's a conversation that can drag us through the weeds. Can I tell you what I think is wrong with the world today? We have abandoned biblical fatherhood. We have abandoned biblical masculinity. I don't say that to say, look at us, we're so tough. No, 
To be a biblical man is to understand that you're not it. To be a biblical man is to see your faults and say, I can't, but he can. And instead, we have too many... Oh, I wish this was recorded so they could see the face, right? We have too many males. We'll say that. We have too many males who who like to go and, and, and make children, but they don't understand what it is to be a father. Root of all of it, right there. You follow the trend in America, when we started to decline, it is when single parent households became prevalent. Soapbox for another day. The biggest problem that we face is that we don't seek God. And men, it starts with us. <coughs> and so Jesus goes, and we're about to see the first disciples called. And it's pretty exciting. If you don't really stop and slow down, you can miss the whole thing. So these men that he goes and finds oh, are more than likely not older men as we see portrayed in our popular television shows. These are younger guys. They're likely still in an apprenticeship journey. How do we know this? Well, I'll show you in a minute. But the second set of sons tell us a lot. The first set of sons will will tell us some things. But passing along, verse 16, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, and this is Simon who we'll later know as Peter, or the rock, or Cephas. And he sees Simon and and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And, and, And... So you see this first set of brothers, they got their own little business, and and, and likely Peter is more than likely the oldest of the original uh, 12. And so Peter is old enough, and Andrew is old enough that they're out on their own, right? And they've got their own craft, they've got their own, uh, they've got their own occupation. And we'll see James and John in just a moment, and what you'll notice is they'll have to leave their father. Y'all see that? It's right there in verse 20, just to kind of spoiler alert you. But they'll have to leave their father. So they're still in an apprenticeship journey. And what Jesus quite literally comes to these guys and says, Hey Simon, or hey hey Peter, hey Andrew, I know that you guys have worked really hard. You've studied the craft really hard. You've paid for your own boat. You've done all these things. I want you to leave all that behind and come and follow me. You're going to leave this this discipleship journey because all people are discipling under something, just so you know. And we're all worshiping something, just so you know. I want you to leave that all behind and follow me. And so today, what we're going to keep looking at here is the power of immediately. Everybody say it with me. Immediately. Do you know how, how quickly your, cha- your life changes when you proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior? You guessed it immediately. Now, it'll take time for some of the things to come along. But at that moment, when you declare Jesus is King of all, Jesus is Lord of all, 
immediately you got to start changing your mind. Immediately you have to start changing direction. And guess what the word repent means? Y'all remember it. Y'all guessed it. Change direction. A change of mind. And so he finds here these fishermen. The first set of fishermen. Why is what happens important? Right? Like why are they fishermen? So back in, 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 back in the old days, back in the Old Testament times, or for Jesus and His disciples would have been the only testament, right? Back in the Old Testament times, there was a prophet named Jeremiah. And God sent Jeremiah, can you guess it, what his main goal was? What was the message Jeremiah was to proclaim? If you said repent, tell the nation of Israel to repent. Wingo, man, you got it. And so, in Jeremiah 16, verses 15 through 17, we see, But as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where He had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Before, Behold, I am sending for many fishers. I am sending for many fishers declares the Lord. And they shall go and catch them. And afterward I will send for many hunters. And they shall hunt them out every morning and every hill, every mountain and every hill, and out of the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me. Nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. In the Old Testament, and in this day... If you were of Jewish lineage, Jewish roots, when you saw a fisher of men, which is what the title Jesus will use in a minute, this was quite literally one of the people that God is telling Jeremiah to go and tell these people to go and bring them in. Go and bring them from their sins. And would you look at this? What is the occupation of the first disciples? Two sets of brothers, and they're both fishermen. And they were fishermen. Verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Had a conversation with a young man last night, and he said, well, how do you know that, you, how do you know that you're going to heaven? I said, it was simple. And it seems so complex, and we like to try and make it complex. Y'all understand that? We try and add Jesus plus things. And Jesus plus anything is nothing at all. What do we need? Christ and Christ alone. Solus Christus. Y'all want to practice that one? That was a good one, right? Y'all like that? Solus Christus. What does that mean? In Christ alone. Probably my favorite hymn, just so you know. It's a modern hymn, but it's a good one. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And so I told this young man, he said, how do I know that I know? I said, it, it wasn't about when you come forward and you say the prayer. See, it happened before that. It happened the moment that in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your whole self, whereas the Hebrew, nefesh, that's all of you. The moment that you left the seat, that's when Jesus said to you, follow me. 
And so the prayer that you come forward and say, that's a declaration to self. That you're proclaiming God's word. I will follow you, God. And we know that Paul says in the, in the book of Romans that when you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, then guess what, guys? He is Lord of all. And in that moment, you are made right. And so Jesus tells these guys, hey, guys out here who have a good occupation, have a, mi- a middle of the road occupation, but you can provide for yourselves. <clears throat> I want you to leave all that behind and come follow me. What would you say if Jesus was right before you, came and found you on the job site and said, follow me? Maybe he has and you haven't even recognized it. Maybe in your workplace, God is using you and he has put you there and placed you there to be a witness to others. And he said, I'm putting you here to be a fisher of men. And you've missed it all. Don't worry, guys. I only got another 45 minutes. Y'all can laugh. (laughs) Follow me, and I will make you become. Now, now watch this. What are they, guys? Fishermen. That's That's a role or an occupation. And Jesus is about to proclaim a title on them apprentices. Mathetes, that's a student. He says, I will make you become, Old Testament now that you know the full context, I will make you fishers of men. What is the role, what is the the entire purpose of the twelve? It's the same thing it was for Jeremiah. To go and proclaim a gospel of repentance. Today, pastors all over this country should be standing in pulpits just like this very heavy one, proclaiming a gospel of, you guessed it, repentance. But unfortunately, oh, this one's going to get me in trouble. Don't care. There's going to be pastors out there right now that are teaching you six ways that you can make your body new in the new year. Six ways. Ay, ay, ay. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. If, if I ever come up here and don't tell y'all that, I want you to find me very courteously in that hallway and say, What are you doing? Shake me if you got to. Repent. So LA said, I got you, man. I will shake you good. Repent. For the kingdom of God is near. I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell people. Let me give you this beautiful illustration of how you can tell people. I was this way, and you knew me. Alright? Something happens. That something is, you guessed it, Jesus Christ. And now I'm another way. And you wonder what's different about me. Jesus Christ. See, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate because I, I got to make it through my, my checkered past. And I run into people and they say, man, I heard you were a preacher. What happened? And I just smile. Remember those long conversations that we were talking about? 
Buckle up, buddy. It's actually pretty simple. Jesus Christ. And he finds here these fishers of men. Verse 18, and immediately, hey y'all, 41 times in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see this phrase, immediately. It's almost like Mark is very intentional and he's trying to get us somewhere, y'all. For reference, Matthew uses this word immediately 15 times. Luke, 8 times. John, four times. And Luke in the account of Acts, nine times. So even if you combine, Luke got himself 17 of them in there, right? And it's about this much Scripture. And about this much Scripture, Mark works it in 41 times. Why? Because we need to be immediate. Well, I'll share with somebody, but I'm working through immediately. I was this way. Now I'm this way. What happened? Jesus. We're overcomplicating it, guys. Well, I've got to teach them this beautiful method and strategy that so-and-so taught me. No! I was this way. Jesus grabbed a hold of me, changed everything, and now I'm this way. What happened? Repentance. Six ways to be a new you. Y'all laugh, but go and look out there. Guarantee you that was somebody's sermon today. I'm not being mean. Maybe I am. (laughs) And going a little farther... He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. These are younger guys still working the trade with their father. See, they don't got their own boat yet. And so they're working on the boat with their dad. Process of elimination, guys. If they're working on a boat with their dad, what are they? They're fishermen as well. The men of repentance. And he goes a little further, finds James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. How many of y'all just keep reading right past that moment? Mending their nets. I'm the only honest person. All y'all stopped and really just studied what mending the nets meant. Every one of y'all, like I said, who read mending your nets and kept going when you read this? I got about 12 honest people now. There we go. We're missing something if we don't slow down right there. They're mending their nets. They're cartatizo. There you go. Now i got some heads to turn. They are uniting completely. Do y'all see this? Mending their nets. And you went right past it and you're just like, yeah, they're fishermen. They're fixing the net. You see, Jesus is out, obviously, at, at the lake. Picking these fishermen. You think Jesus just did everything on accident? You think the timing is on accident? He goes and finds these guys whose role and their purpose will be to send repentance into the nations. 
And the second set of them, a younger set of fishermen, are with their dad, and they're mending the nets. Anybody here ever have busy work? Nobody here has ever done busy work. Anybody ever play gopher? I better see some hands go up. Do y'all know what these boys are sitting on that boat doing? In the day and time, what would have been busy work? But guess what? The busy work that they're doing is really important. And in this moment, they are uniting completely the nets. And Jesus is going to use them to unite completely the people. He's going to use them to unite completely the Jew and the Gentile. And if you went past it, you missed it. Who, who gets in a bit of a hurry when they read their Bible? Because you're just checking off a box. I'm just trying to get closer to God, but I'm just zipping through that thing. If you're not slowing down, reading it line by line, reading phrases like this and going, man, I feel like there's something here. You're doing it wrong. That said, I've got these beautiful Bible reading plans that are going to be down at the front for you, and they're pretty intentional. They make you slow down and read it for what it's worth. And it's worth a lot. And so these guys are mending the net, so they're uniting completely. And look what happens. Immediately, he called them, and they said, Papa, I love you. Let's go home and fix things and eat supper. And tomorrow and yonder day, we will go with Jesus. Is that what y'all see in your Bible? No. What happens? They immediately left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Are you immediate with your pursuit of Christ? I'm just working on it. Slow down and become immediate. Slow down and become intentional about pursuing Jesus. Why? Because if you don't, you will miss the forest for the tree. And immediately he calls them and they leave their boat with the hired servants. And he followed him. And then they went, verse 21, I'm going to work through this a little quicker. They went into Capernaum. And immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Hey, y'all remember what we talked about earlier between 13 and 14? Why did we spend time on that? Because look what happens. Jesus goes into the synagogue and what does he begin to do? Teach. Guess who the only person that can teach in the synagogue is? The rabbi or a rabbi, an authorized rabbi. There are exceptions and people can read from scrolls, but the only one that can teach, the only one that can proclaim, thus says the Lord. You guessed it, Rabbi. And Jesus, again, I think under divine authority here, even if you don't believe that, he studies under John. Bam, now you got your solution. But I believe that he's under. Divine authority here. You know who his rabbi really is? 
I was cheating away at this. I didn't want to tell y'all. I was hoping you'd figure it out on your own. God the Father. How do we know this? Matthew 28, 18-20 that we read every single week. Y'all remember what He says? Guys, all authority in heaven and then on earth has been given to me. All authority. Divine authority. And He goes in on the Sabbath. He begins to teach. And they were astonished at His teaching. Why? Because they're used to the scribe the spitting out man facts. And here's Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, proclaiming the true gospel. Y'all remember what the true gospel is? I've said it like 7,000 times. It's just start to, to get in there. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. And He's teaching them, and they recognize His authority not as their scribes, Verse 23, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Hey, y'all, somebody who was on door duty missed it. Unclean spirit, guess where he's not supposed to be inside of? The synagogue. Guy on door duty, you're fired. But there's an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Notice something. The demons of the unclean spirits know Jesus' physical presence. Who he is to the untrained eye. He's Jesus of Nazareth. But watch what happens. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Some translations say, I know who you are, you son of God. They know his physical identity, but they know who he is. They really know who he is. They know what he's here for. You want to know how, how, how arrogant Satan, Hussatan, and his band of demons are? Jesus comes on the rescue mission, and they're so focused that they would miss the forest. For the tree. In other words, they didn't see. They could see who Jesus is and they knew what He was here to do, but they missed that He was actually here doing it. Why? Because all authority had been given to Jesus. And Jesus rebuked Him saying, be silent and come out of Him. You're going to start to see a trend in the, the Gospel of Mark where he will continually heal and he'll tell people, hey, hush, don't say nothing about it. Or go and pay the sin offering, right? Go and pay what you owe for the law of Moses. And he, he tells them, be quiet about it. Why? Because at this time, Israel's looking for the Messiah, but they want a conquering king. And Jesus, we know from Isaiah 53, is the suffering Servant. They want someone who will come and overthrow Caesar. Y'all ever seen Gladiator? Maximus. They want that. Nobody. 
They want that. But Jesus comes and says, I'm going to die for your sins. And then, the unclean spirit convulsing and crying out with a loud voice. Oh, I shouldn't. I'm going to. There are worship services all around the U.S. right now where people are doing things that are for show. I'm just going to leave it at that. How do we know it's for show? Because look what unclean spirits do. You can email Jessica Lamb. Verse 27. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? Y'all know, guys, what did I tell you? What are they used to? Man stuff. In other words, regurgitated vomit from another false teacher who's telling about man-made stuff and is not focused on the Gospel of God. And what does Jesus come and do? Just for a spoiler alert, if you want to read ahead and know what's going on, because I told you all about Harmony of the Gospels. Isaiah 61. That's exactly what Jesus preaches right here. And I'm not going to tell it for y'all. I want y'all to do homework. Isaiah 61. Go and read that. And they were all amazed that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. And He commands... Even the unclean spirits. I, I get it. We, that, that one doesn't resonate enough for you. You don't see the fear here. Unclean spirit, because you've read it, right? All right. In your terms and in modern terms, a demon. He commands even the demons. And they obey him. Why? Because all authority in heaven and then on earth has been given to Him. And at once, this is a textual variant. Guess what this could also say? Immediately, His fame spread everywhere. And when it says fame... I need you to understand this more as infamy. What, what do you mean, Caleb? I mean, he is so countercultural. How do we know that? Because look what just happened to the people that were in the temple. Hey, this guy's he's teaching something that actually means something. Hey, this guy is teaching, and it ain't about us. Hey, this guy's teaching, and it's the real gospel. It's the real thing. And at once. His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And if you're a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater, look at verse 29 and 30. And what do you see? Two more of immediately. 
You guessed it, immediately. And so why, what, what does all this mean today, right? It means that if you have never made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day to change all that immediately. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're on a path you know you have no business on, today is the day that immediately you repent and you turn from that sin and head towards God. And so in just a moment, but he's going to have a carefully selected reading for you guys that I want him to share with you. And you're going to see one of the greatest, most grand displays of what it means to be a Christ or a Jesus follower. This young lady has made a decision that Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. And what she is going to do in just a moment is a public declaration that Jesus is King and that Jesus is Lord of all. And so I want to pray for you as we transition into this. I want to pray for you and her family. If you guys want to come sit closer, you're more than welcome to. The sides are probably a little better. This thing blocks your view. But you're more than welcome to come to the front and see this. Jesus is Lord of all, y'all. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful this morning to be in your house. We're so thankful, God, that you've given us the health and the ability to be here, God. And we're so thankful... Of, of public declarations of faith to declare you as Lord and Savior, that we get to celebrate in these victories. These victories are yours, God, and that you allow us to just celebrate the victories with you. And I pray that today, God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as both Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. And I pray that if there's anyone here, God, who doesn't know you personally, that immediately they would make a decision and come to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.